Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. Live from San Francisco on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, you are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with your hosts, Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on. Let's get it indeed. Mike Sempervivi here with you for the next hour talking professional wrestling and mixed martial arts, something we do every single day here on this program the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. And however you're joining me today, whether it be on sportsbyline.com, sportsbyline.com, uh, tune in, iHeart, where are we? American Forces Radio, any of the over-the-air affiliates, Sirius XM 156 podcasting or streaming on Twitch or on YouTube. Just want to say thank you for spending a little bit of time with me today. Solo on short notice here. Something came up for the boss man. The last time something came up for the boss man while he was in Hawaii, came back with a souvenir, believe his her name is Hanalei, so I don't know what's going on with the boss man, but everything's okay, enjoying some family time, so I'm going to be here with you solo today, and there's a whole lot of stuff to get into, and we've got our first nominee, or our first inductee, into the WWE Hall of Fame. That's been announced. The Undertaker will be enshrined in Dallas, Texas. Ceremony will be taking place live on Peacock and the WWE Network Friday, April 1st, right after SmackDown goes off the air. The 56-year-old made his WWE debut in October of 1990 and made his TV debut is a uh, surprise addition to Ted DiBiase's million-dollar team during the Survivor Series. His last match for WWE came in March of 2020 at WrestleMania 36 in the cinematic Boneyard match against AJ Styles. His last actual in-ring match happened in Saudi Arabia a month before that when he won a gauntlet. Undertaker was honored at the 2020 Survivor Series after 30 years with WWE. Closed the show with a short promo saying that it was time for him to rest in peace. He did his pose and a hologram of Paul Bearer came up. And earlier that year, he said he was retiring as part of his last ride docu-series with the WWE Network. So congratulations on The Undertaker joining the WWE Hall of Fame a lot to get into today. Tony Khan's comments on Cody Rhodes, Rampages tonight, SmackDowns tonight, a busy weekend coming up. We're going to get into all of it when we get back. Wrestling Observer Live. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the show. Mike Sempervivi here with you, Wrestling Observer Live. We do this show for an hour at a time, but if you want us 24-7... 
You can find us on Twitter. I am at SemperVV. The timeline for this show is at WONF4W. The broadcaster is at Sports Byline USA. And if you love pro wrestling, at Mid-Atlantic Pod. It's my other side project. I love that one, too. Brian Alvarez's Twitter is at Brian Alvarez, but don't bother him right now. He is in Hawaii as he is showing off uh, his his pecs. Did you see that shot on his Twitter? You don't have to. Lots of shots like that going to be taking place. Rubbing it in that he is in Hawaii right now. Not sure where he's at in Hawaii, but I'm sure he and the family are doing well. So salute to them. Salute to you out there for listening to me today. And, uh, hey, Saturday Night's Made Events coming back. Did you hear about that one? It's not the way you think it is, though. No, not, not a TV presentation, at least not what we know of yet. But the branding is going to be coming back for two shows taking place in April, Montgomery, Alabama, and Lakeland, Florida, on Saturday, April 23rd and April 30th. Both are raw-branded shows as of now. Uh, they are not going to be TV productions. They are just going to be using the name to hype up those shows. Got to be honest, I don't know why they don't do that, to be honest with you. I mean, they, they're always looking for content and looking for ways to get live eyes, you know, streaming on, on that show uh, or on that network. If anybody has ever been to a WWE show, and I'm sure somebody out there listening has, I mean, they are very surgical shows. They are up and down in like two and a half hours. They break everything down. I mean, everything is very, it's the same, and I'm not... It's it's cookie cutter. I'm not complaining about that. I'm not calling it out. I'm just saying it makes it very easy to where if you wanted to put cameras on those shows and have a very basic, simple setup, you could do that. And I'm sure some people would tune in live. And I'm sure if some people heard that a really good house match took place between two people, it would draw eyeballs to it. So I'm surprised they're not going to do that. Maybe, uh, maybe they will. Maybe if this is enough to draw uh tickets it's enough to rally people into going to these shows then maybe that's an idea they could have coming up with in, in the future but saturday night's main event at least in name is coming back for those house shows so got that going on also what's been going on cody Rhodes. so if you want this uh story to go away it won't be i'm going to tie it into another story that relates to tony khan and his appearance today on busted open radio uh, this comes from the front page of the website. AEW head Tony Khan teased that he is, quote, working on something pretty big, unquote, that hopefully will be done over the next week. He didn't allude to whether it was a signing or a business-related move, simply saying, quote, it would be massive, unquote. He indicated it would be something that few people would expect or even think to believe, apparently. Khan has frequently gone the route of teasing and promoting surprises throughout AEW's early years, most of which have been free agent signings. Most recently, February 9th, Dynamite when Keith Lee and Jay White debuted. During the interview, Khan also talked, of course, about Cody and Brandy Rhodes' departure from AEW. This is the first time he is publicly doing it. Khan said his statement made Tuesday was, quote, from the heart and really positive. I meant it. He went on to say, I wish them both really well. I appreciate everything they did here in their different roles in the company. It's very sad and not something any of us wanted to happen. He went on to say, I believe that Cody has got something else in the works. I'm not sure about that, but we will see. I am sure they will have great opportunities in wrestling and in life. 
You never know what will happen in the future. I wish them the best, and I'm appreciative of everything they did here, unquote. When asked about comments that have circulated surrounding the sentiment that some in the company were happy to see Brandy leave, Khan did not address them specifically, but said they have, quote, classy people in the locker room, unquote, and that he was not surprised that they rallied around her on social media and for the company in general on Wednesday. Well, in this week's Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer was reporting, and I will read this in its entirety here, that, quote, there were those happy both Cody and Brandy were gone and thought, quote, hero treatment given to them by some in the company after he left is a great public story but is not the real story. There were those who said it was clear Cody was not happy about his loss of power, and regarding Brandy, she definitely had her critics. One person noted that Dana Massey never got the credit for a lot of her work when it came to things involved with Brandy on the deal side. I guess that would be like AEW heels and things like that. There were definitely issues with the women's division that were at first earmarked for Brandy, but Omega ended up taking more control and being heavily involved in match layouts. But even then, it's still Khan who had the final say, but it was also noted that a lot of talent quietly were celebrating and that it wasn't all the sadness that it was made out to be. One of the key people in the company said that he was very surprised at the departure, but said the reaction was positive for much of the locker room, unquote. So, as this continues uh, to hash itself out as Cody gives his side of the story as other people I'm sure opine on the situation and maybe their direct involvement or indirect involvement with everybody I guess we will hear more about this story so if you want it to go away it is certainly not anytime soon uh, Dave also noted something that is is been very curious to me as I've talked about on the show and I'll read it here uh, Roads to the Top uh, had been agreed on some months back for a second season, but no announcement was ever made. And with this current situation, especially if he goes to WWE, one would question how the show would be brought back. However, they already started filming season two, and that's another aspect of this deal. The story that it, TNT is exploring options of what to do with footage already filmed for Season 2, and everything is still up in the air, and decisions are likely to be made in the coming weeks. Obviously, all of the previously filmed episodes for Go Big Show for its current season will air as expected. It is also not a lock he wouldn't be back for a future season of that show if he goes to WWE, but WWE would have to agree to allow it. John Cena is on TBS with Wipeout while still being contractually with WWE, although Cena's WWE deal being essentially a non-full-time wrestler who does guest appearances would likely be different than a deal Rhodes would have if he goes. One would think it would be as a full-time wrestler. Dave went on to write that for Warner Media, they had positioned Rhodes as a star on a non-wrestling program, and in that sense, the loss of one guy that they had positioned in that way has a greater ramification than other losses of similar level and even higher level of stars would have. Tony Khan on Busted Open today said that he feels as though Cody may have some other things up his sleeve. I would assume that would have nothing to do with WWE and have everything to do with side projects. And I am 
Again, that is a part of this that is very interesting to me because Cody Rhodes has wanted to do so many things outside of wrestling or do things that he could tie into his wrestling. And will the the next season of Rhodes to the top, if, will it go to its completion? Or what will they do with some of this stuff? Obviously, as Dave mentioned, we're going to be seeing how some of this stuff plays out, but how Cody Rhodes and how Brandy Rhodes could fit into NBC Universal's world is a is a very interesting thing. And I will also say this about Go Big Show. This is nothing against Cody Rhodes, but Paul White is a much bigger name than Cody Rhodes, I think, to the average person. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I know Chris Jericho is. I mean, that's for sure. So with both of those men sticking around with other people on that roster who might be able to get some of that rub and the fact that there's a lot of original programming on TNT and on TBS where they could bring somebody over from some other part of that family to fill Cody Rhodes's place on this show. I don't really, for me, think it's that big of a deal for Warner Media. It could be more of a, a big deal for AEW if they can't fill that position with a Paul White, with a Jericho, or with somebody else, but I don't think it's really a big deal at all for Warner Media. Lot of other things to get into. Rampage is tonight. SmackDown is tonight. New Japan's got big shows coming up. Triple A's got a big show coming up. A ton of things going on, and we will get into more of them when we get back. Wrestling Observer Live. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back on the show, Mike Sempervivi here with you, Wrestling Observer Live, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. No Brian Alvarez today, but he will be back uh, on schedule this weekend. Took a day off today, do some family things, got those going on. Got a lot going on this weekend when it comes to professional wrestling, and that obviously starts tonight. Starts a little bit earlier for those of you who watch Rampage. AEW, 7 p.m. tonight. Needs to be noted, it is NBA All-Star Weekend, so Rampage is coming up at 7 p.m. It was taped earlier on this week. Trent Beretta, Switchblade, Jay White. Want it to be a good performance for Switchblade, Jay White. I'm a big fan of his, obviously. That goes without saying. But when you bring in guys and you tout them as big deals and you really don't drive home to a lot of people who may not know who this guy is, you know, how good he is and why he's a big deal coming from where he's coming from, you know, I don't know if they've, they've really hammered that home, but a great professional wrestling match against Trent Beretta is going to go a long way, that is for sure. 
Adam Cole, Dark Order is 10, going to take place. I don't uh, foresee Adam Cole losing this match as the heat up for him and Hangman Adam Page continues. Face of the Revolution ladder match qualifier, Dante Martin against Powerhouse Hobbs. Probably, I don't want to say this is going to be the the show stealer. I mean, nothing against Trent Beretta. I mean, this this on paper should be the match of the show. The third match between the two, they split the other two. Wardlow, Keith Lee already in the match. Do you add another big guy there who's going to be a base, somebody else who can knock up against those other guys? would be a great spot for Powerhouse Hobbs. But Dante Martin in a ladder match. I mean... It's Dante Martin in a ladder match. I think you would want him there. So I would be great. Uh, I'd be very more than happy no matter who wins this match. But Dante Martin, to me, makes a lot more sense. And then Serena Deeb's five-minute rookie challenge. She beat up a woman last week and in short order got her out of the way. This has got to be leading to her and Jade Cargill, right? Like, I can't imagine Serena Deeb as a babyface. It's hard to believe Jake Cargill could be a baby face because she's, you know, that B. She's just a good heel right now, especially with her inexperience. You can have smart Mark Sterling right there. But, I mean, who's the rookie going to be that can face Serena Deeb and do something with her? I mean, Jake Cargill down the line, boy, I think that would be a good one. And I'll say this. I, I, Serena Deep can't have a bad match with anybody. She's such a great teacher, just so good. So if they do go in that direction, it can only benefit Jay Cargill uh, in, in several ways, uh, not the least of which is work on the mat. Also tonight, WWE SmackDown, not that many matches announced for that. 8 p.m. Eastern time coming up on Fox. Universal champion Roman Reigns and Goldberg will have their final one-on-one before the Elimination Chamber this preview comes directly from wwe.com you will be able to tell that from the buzzwords in it quote less than 24 hours before universal champion roman reigns battles goldberg at wwe elimination chamber in Jeddah. is that how you say that i think it is the head of the table will come face to face with the wwe hall of famer on the blue brand what bedlam will follow when the two volatile superstars step in the ring together before the high stakes matchup well who knows Sami Zayn also will defend the Intercontinental Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. And yes, even though Brian's not here, we've got a contract signing. Uh, I can't go into the same hysterics that he would over such a thing, but I will read from the completely ridiculous uh, description that WWE has put up about it, saying that, quote, in the wake of last week's hard-fought SmackDown women's title bout, a post-match attack on Naomi by Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville was thwarted in explosive fashion by Ronda Rousey. After the brawl, it was announced that the Rowdy One will join forces with The Glow against The Queen and the nefarious WWE official, official is capitalized, by the way, at WWE Elimination Chamber. So, hooray! (laughs) That's going to be coming up on Fox tonight. Here's a really interesting story (laughs) coming out of the Wrestling Observer newsletter this week, and uh, this is also up on the main page of the website right now. Peacock is working on a documentary about Teddy Hart. This has nothing to do with WWE. WWE is aware of it, and they have warned people against participating. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't. Let me not screw this up now, because the quote is, 
it has kind of warned people against participating, unquote. So, <laughs> WWE, apparently one person uh, that has been warned against doing it by two different parties, uh, one of which being WWE, has gone and done the documentary anyway. So, people uh, that have been interviewed for this thing have noted that they are dig digging deep into Hart's past and that there were a lot of questions about bad ex-relationships. Uh, the tentative release date for this documentary right now is going to be in December. The 42-year-old Edward Annis, Teddy Hart, has had legal issues going back as far as 2014 when he was wanted on sexual assault charges. <laughs> Sexual assault charges brought up by two women that were later dropped. He was arrested four times in 2020, three times in the first three months of the year alone. The third coming after he was arrested in Virginia for strangulation, resulting in bodily harm. In February of that year, he was arrested for possession of a Schedule II controlled substance was in, with intent to distribute and then was arrested several weeks later for violation of his house arrest. In 20, October of 2020, he was arrested in Texas and charged with injuring a disabled person, evading arrest, and being in possession of a controlled substance. He was then arrested in February of 2021 on the same charges. But in Virginia, Hart has not wrestled since a December 2020 indie show in Michigan. So before you will ever see a documentary on Superfan Vlad, before you will ever see the Lex Luger documentary that WWE had once promised, you will probably see a documentary on Teddy Hart that WWE wants absolutely nothing to do with. Not sure where this could play on Peacock. They have several streaming network options. We know WWE will not be one of them. Uh, I'm sure the LOL channel also not going to be one of them. Uh, there's Dateline. Uh, there's Snapped. True Crime. There's one called Kiss Me Deadly that this uh, documentary can start streaming on. So there you go. There, <laughs> there's that. It, a Completely random uh, note in the newsletter now being brought to light. In a I don't want to say a completely random thing for a true crime show to be working on or somebody to be working on, but a again, it was uh, seemingly coming out of nowhere on that one. Uh, on a little bit happier news, at a press conference today in Tokyo, uh, Stardom boss man Rossi Ogawa revealed that Kari Hojo is back with Stardom. The former Kari Sane in WWE started her career in Stardom back in 2011 before heading over to the States in 2017. Uh, her new name is just going to be Kari, all cap style, K-A-I-R-I. Um, at that press conference today, Tam uh, Nakano and Unagi Sayaka of the Cosmic Angels faction came out. Uh, Nakano shook hands with her. Unaga uh, challenged her to a match, not knowing her reputation. Nakano then cut her off, and then 
offered up a tag team match instead between her and Unaga against Kari and Mayu Iwatani. So that match will take place either March 26th or 27th when the company runs back-to-back shows at Sumo Hall. Later, as she was posing for pictures for reporters, Kairi was attacked by Uedo Tai's Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Natsuko Tora. So battle lines have been drawn there. In storyline, uh, the new person that was coming in that was being teased, uh, this has been going on for quite some time. Saya Kamatani had been trying to figure out who it was, uh, and that stemmed from the fact that she had fumbled uh, Takumi Aroha's debut with the company last year during a five-star Grand Prix press conference. So they kind of played into that and leaned into that a little bit with her trying to figure out who it was and Rossi Ogawa telling her to back off. Stardom's got a, a show coming up here, their next big one, Tuesday in Nagoya, Cinderella, Cinderella Journey. Uh, future of Stardom title, Hanan and Mobo Kogo. High-speed title, Starlight Kid and Izumi. A Regoku skirmish, which uh, is a inner DDM battle. Uh, Donna Del Mondo battle with Suri, Micah, and Hemika against uh, Julia, Mirai, and Thekla. Uh, Goddess of Stardom title match, uh, tag team title match coming up. Hazuki and Kaguma against Mina Shirakawa and Unagi Sayaka and the Wonder of Stardom title, Sayaka Mitani against Natsupoi. So that is going to be a pay-per-view that will later on be broken up and distributed out on the uh, the Stardom World Network. Speaking of World Networks, New Japan World's got a busy weekend coming up. Chris Kelly and Chris Charlton will be back doing English commentary for Saturday and Sunday shows that will be taking place at the Hokkaido Perfectual Sports Center. Biggest matches coming up on the Saturday show, the U.S. Heavyweight Championship, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Sonata, while on Sunday, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship between Kazuchika Okada and Tetsuya Naito. There are also other title matches on the show as well. Six-man title matches, IWGP tag title match, a junior heavyweight tag title match, and some other things as well, too. It is still going to be a busy weekend here in the States, and I'm going to run through some of the indie shows taking place as well as AAA's Ray to Reyes. When we get back, Wrestling Observer Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. How are you, everybody? Back on the show, Mike Sempervivi here, Wrestling Observer Live. Boss man Brian Alvarez taking some family time today. Hey, if you went over to the front page of the WrestlingObserver.com website, you would know that the newest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has already come out. You would know that because I've been quoting with it the whole time, but there's something extra special about this week's edition. Even though it's already into February, we finally have the tabulations for the the end-of-the-year voting for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, and... 
going to run down a couple of these. These are always big. I got to be honest, when it comes to year-end awards, I'm done. I've been tuned out of them for quite some time. I, I go through Ajita trying to go back and like, okay, did I see everything I needed to see? And then it's like, oh man, there's some some small matches that somebody's hyping up that you know that I really trust that I hadn't seen, and it's like, uh, I, I just I give up. There's a reason that spaceships do not come with rearview mirrors. Okay, you know, I just I don't have time for this stuff. But people love them. And they love the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. That is for sure. The Luthez Ric Flair Award for Wrestler of the Year. Kenny Omega, by a huge margin over Reigns. Omega got 629 first place votes, 3,755 overall. Roman Reigns finished second with 90 first place votes, 1,636 total votes. That was 28 votes. Uh, I believe 28 votes ahead of, I'm sorry, uh, 32 votes ahead of Shingo Takagi, who was the highest finishing Japanese uh competitor although think about shingo is shingo got 46 first place votes utami hayashishida finished fifth hayashishida only finished with 1310 votes but the people that voted for her really wanted to see her win the award 134 first place votes for utami hayashishida that is the second most out of anybody the person with the third most finished fourth that would be brian danielson who had 127 first place votes 1411 overall so that's a very impressive performance for utami hayashishida siuri finished seventh and, uh, you know, Tam Nakano did not get any uh, honorable mention votes as far as enough of them to be noted by Dave, but I'm sure she got a couple of two. So really impressive performances by both of those people, but Omega, the runaway winner, uh, most outstanding wrestler, Shingo Takagi actually took that one home with 366 first place votes finishing with 120 votes higher than Brian Danielson, who had 319 first place votes. Kenny Omega finished third in that category. When it came to Tag Team of the Year, the Young Bucks ran away with it. 740 first place votes, 4,405 overall. Penta and Ray Phoenix finished second. 124 first place votes, 2,485 overall. FTR third, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi fourth. And again, impressive performance for stardom here as fifth, Suri and Julia finished with four first place votes, 283 votes overall. Best on interviews, MJF. Here is, this is something very interesting. MJF's first place votes were the thing that carried this for him for sure. 329, by far the highest vote total for first place in this category, but only 200, or I'm sorry, 2,641 total points. Now, I should mention also how this works is you are choosing three people. The person finishing first gets five points, the first person finishing second gets three, and the person finishing third would get one. Eddie Kingston had only 266 first place votes, finished with 2,479, which means to me it seems like Eddie Kingston was on everybody's uh, list, but when it came to MJF, 
you probably voted him either first or not at all, I guess, or first or third there. Eddie Kingston, very close for the amount of first place votes that MJF got. Eddie Kingston, extremely close. CM Punk, third place, 2,384 votes. From there, nobody else was even close. Promotion of the year, AEW, no surprise there. Stardom finished second. New Japan, third. Game Changer, fourth. And UFC, fifth. When it came to best weekly TV show, AEW Dynamite ran away with it. 908 first place votes. AEW Rampage, second with 35. New Japan Strong, 47. Here's what I will argue about New Japan Strong. It is the more consistent show, and it is arguable because it has far less things to worry about. There are far less variables to worry about, far less things to worry about booking-wise than Dynamite. You could argue New Japan Strong is the best weekly television show. It is a is a great hour, but I understand completely why Dynamite won this. It is probably it is by far the best show out of the other. When you throw Impact and NXT 2.0, SmackDown, Raw, Dynamite, or Rampage, Dynamite is by far, I think, the best show. So I'm, I'm not surprised with that one. Match of the year, Young Bucks against Penta and Phoenix on September 5th in Chicago. Will Ospreay and Shingo from May 4th finish second. Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson from September 22nd in New York finished third. Utami Hayashishida and Suri finished fifth. So that was the... Uh, highest-ranking stardom match there. I thought that would actually finish a little bit higher, but it finished fifth. Brian Danielson and Adam Page from December was fourth. Let's see. When it came to the United States-Canada MVP, Kenny Omega won that, 681 votes. When it comes to this category, these categories that I'm going to be mentioning, uh, this is first-place votes only. There's no multiple tabulations for this as far as getting three points for finishing second or anything like that. It just comes down to choosing one person, and by far, people chose Kenny Omega more than any other person. Roman Reigns, 118 votes, finished second. Japanese MVP Shingo Takagi, 575, finished with uh, 342 more votes than Utami Hayashishida, who I thought would actually finish with a few more there. Kazuchika Okada far back with only 74 votes. Yuri actually picked up 13, tied with Kota Obushi for sixth place. For Mexico MVP, El Hio del Vikingo, 391 votes. Far and away the winner over Psycho Clown, who finished second with 185. European MVP, Will Ospreay, 345 first place votes. Walter finishing second with 298. The Hodge Award non-heavyweight MVP, a new category this year, won by Darby Allen, 366 first place votes. Finished uh, with uh, like 170-plus more than Ray Phoenix, who finished second. Women's Wrestling MVP, Utami Hayashishida, no surprise there, 362 first-place votes. Britt Baker, very close, 20 votes away, finishing in second. Britt Baker, PWI's uh, Women's Wrestler of the Year. Suri finished third with 106, and Bianca Belair was the next closest WWE wrestler with 79. Uh, best, best box office draw in pro wrestling, CM Punk. Two, John Cena. Three, Kenny Omega. Four, Roman Reigns. And five, Brock Lesnar. Feud of the year, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. 503 first place votes. Utami Hayashishida and Suri. 
finished second with 207. Most improved, Teconti, 187. Dante Martin, second with 150. Most charismatic, CM Punk, who took home that one. Best technical wrestler, Brian Danielson, easily won that award, which is named after him. It is the Brian Danielson Award. Bruiser Brody Memorial Award for Best Brawler, John Moxley. Best Flying Wrestler, Ray Phoenix. Most Overrated, Evil. Evil. In a year where WWE, people could not wait to dunk on WWE, Evil beat Roman Reigns by 93 votes, and shame on everybody that voted Roman Reigns most overrated when he is one of the only things to watch to me as a must-see on WWE programming. I think that's insane. Omas, 85 votes. The Miz was 65. KG Muto with 42. So he picked up pretty much uh, what was left over from the Japanese fans that did not vote for Evil. Most underrated, Ricochet, 222 votes, Chad Gable, 80, Mustafa Ali, 74. I think if you were to do that poll right now, I think Mustafa Ali runs away with it. Rookie of the year, Jade Cargill, 290 votes. Jack Cartwheel finished with 99 in second place, and i got to say that's an impressive performance. I didn't know if that many people were uh, tuned into Jack Cartwheel, but they are. Finished second in the category, and he has got a super high upside. Paul Heyman won best non-wrestler, best television announcer, Excalibur. No offense to Excalibur, to win by such a margin, 120 votes over Kevin Kelly. Tony Schiavone finished third, Pat McAfee fourth. You know, Stu Fulton does a good job with the NOAA broadcast. He was fifth, but Ian Riccoboni was seventh. And Chris Charlton uh, got some honorable mention votes, but it will always blow me away that Ian Riccoboni does not get more votes. I think he is outstanding. Worst television announcer, Corey Graves. I don't agree with that one either. At all, major wrestling show, best uh, one going on AEW All Out on September 5th in Chicago, worst major wrestling television show, WWE Survivor Series on November 21st in Brooklyn, best wrestling maneuver, Adam Page's buckshot lariat, and most disgusting promotional tactic, WWE firing wrestlers during a pandemic while setting record profits. Uh, They took uh, the top four. Uh, in fact, which is actually three and somebody tied for third here. WWE continued relationship with Saudi Arabia finished second and WWE using releases and storylines as well as WWE's handling of COVID finished tied for third. So there is a rundown of some of the awards from the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Here's a little rundown of W of Triple A's Ray to Reyes, which is coming up on Saturday live from Veracruz, Mexico, I believe, at uh, Beto Avia University's baseball stadium. Broadcast on Fight TV starts at 9 p.m. Will cost 19.99. One of the biggest things of note going into the show has been the fact they have a new announcing team. Joe Dombrowski and Larry Dallas are going to be doing the commentary. First time either one has done anything for AAA. They are both veterans when it comes to commentary. To be frank, that means nothing when it comes to AAA. They've had veteran announcers in there before, and it has still turned into botchamania, whether it be through commentary, through production, or through both. So they are going to be on that show. Uh, key matches on it, the Laredo Reyes, Psycho Clown against Cibernetico, against Laredo Kid, against Bandito, against an opponent to be named later. Psycho Clown is the star and the favorite. Laredo Kid is looking to repeat Cibernetico's return to the company, and Bandito's the star. Plus, you have that mystery person coming in, so a little bit of drama there, although I would say probably Psycho Clown comes away with it. 
what was supposed to be the Lucha Brothers against uh, La Faction and Gobernable uh, of Dragon Lee and Duralistico uh, is probably now just going to be Penta against Duralistico. That is because Phoenix is still out injured. Main event is El Hio del Fikingo defending the AAA Mega Heavyweight title against John Hedigan. John Morrison in his first match back since being cut by WWE. Vikingo's first defense of the title that he won in December. So that is going to be coming up tomorrow night. There is a lot of stuff coming up on IWTV and on Fight TV tonight. Uh, Para, uh, Paradigm Pro in Indiana is going to be recording for IWTV. That is notable because they're going to be doing a doubleheader, a wrestling show, as well as a UWFI rule show that will feature our own filthy Tom Lawler in the main event facing off against Dustin Leonard. That is going to be taped tonight on IWTV tonight. Sean Henderson presents Weekend at Sean's Night 1. There's a free, freelance wrestling show on IWTV coming up as well. I'll get into some of the stuff that's coming up on Saturday and Sunday when we get back from break, Wrestling Observer Live. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back on the show, Mike Sempervivi here with you, Wrestling Observer Live. A little short segment here to end the show. Lots of things taking place. I mentioned some of the things coming up Friday night, Saturday. A ton of wrestling that is going to be on. Jersey Championship Wrestling Gladiator Days from the Showboat in Atlantic City. That's going to stream for free on Game Changer Wrestling's YouTube channel. Uh, coming up noon Eastern time on Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, IWTV. Sean Henderson presents Weekend at Sean's Night 2 from the H2O Wrestling Center in Williamstown, New Jersey. Saturday at 5.30, Black Label Pro presents professional wrestling, Mikey's version, in Crown Point, Indiana on IWTV, featuring our own filthy Tom Waller, the BLP Midwest champion, facing off against Matt Mikowski, tag team championship, violence is forever against the Bang Bros. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Game Changer Wrestling, Believe Me, at the showboat in Atlantic City, New Jersey, featuring Alex Colon against Reed Brentley in an ultraviolet championship match, and Mascara Dorada making his GCW debut against Joey Janela. Saturday, also Impact, No Surrender at the Alaro Center, uh, taking place outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. Jay White, Eric Young, uh, X Division. There's a ton of stuff, actually, on this show. I'm not going to run down all of it, but Deanna Perrazzo's got an open uh, challenge. Uh, Moose against W. Morrissey for the world title. Saturday night uh, or Sunday, H2O presents Barbed Wire City Showdown at noon uh, Eastern time at the Showboat in Atlantic City. That's on IWTV. And Sunday night, Game Changer Wrestling's Don't Tell Me What to Do, also at the Showboat in Atlantic City. That is going to be on Fight TV. And, yes, Sunday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, Prestige Wrestling, Roseland 2 at the Roseland Theater in Portland, Oregon, this may be end up winning the the show of the weekend. Nick Wayne against Ethan HD, Bussy against Pax Americana, Davy Richards, Malachi Black, Dalton Castle, Alex Shelley, 
We'll get into all of what happens this weekend next week when we talk to you again after a while. Wrestling Observer Live. You have been listening to the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.